This is Right Wisconsin Conversations, Volume 2, Episode 14. What to do, what to do, what to do, da da do, da da do. So we're here today for Right Wisconsin Conversations with Barb Dietrich, and we're going to make sure that we pronounce that correctly, even though it's spelled incorrectly, uh, who's been married to her husband for 26 years, and they've managed to to make this lovely home here in Oconomowoc, where we're interviewing her today, and she's running for state assembly in the 38th Assembly District, a district that is currently held by Joel Clayfish, so it's a high-profile district in its own way. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself. Why why are you considering running? Let's start with there. Well, it's interesting. First of all, I was as surprised as anybody else when Joel um, announced he wasn't running for re-election. And if I had a dollar for every person on the campaign trail who asked me what he's doing next, I would be... Um, one of the most affluent women in Oconomowoc, but I have no clue. Um, I think Joel did a stellar job, and he leaves a huge void in our area. And I've been engaged in um, legislative advocacy, both on the state and the national level, and so it's not a place I feel uncomfortable moving. Um, And so... I, I just stepped into it and um, really have received a lot of positive encouragement from people in the area. So, so healthcare is a big issue with you. Um, yes, it's, it's definitely number one on your website. How, what can the state do to make healthcare more affordable? That's a great question. I think that um, you know the more hands we have touching healthcare, the more we drive up the cost, right? And I have a son with an extremely expensive genetic illness. And so I understand, I mean, this is where my family lives in the healthcare arena. The, the problem is, I try to explain to people, we have a limited pot of, of money as far as state dollars go with healthcare. We, 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 you can't pay for it all. You have to decide what are our biggest priorities. And I think the catastrophic situations are where people really are looking to support others. People who have lost their jobs. Although I will tell you, um, now with unemployment so awesomely low in the state, um, that's where most people get their health insurance. Okay, but if we want to be doing things like paying for Sandra Fluke's 
um, birth control and her abortion when her birth control fails, then we don't have that money for, for the most catastrophic or the most needed things that most people are requiring health insurance for. And so we can drive down costs that way. I think Governor Walker made great decisions when it came to the ACA because we all knew that that ended up being an unfunded mandate. I think also the, the more you are aware of what everything is costing for your medical care, the more you can decide on, you know, where where do I as a consumer want to get my health care? Why shouldn't it be like anything else where we're trying to get the best quality for the lowest price? Um, buying across state lines is, is a great hope and promise for containing costs of of healthcare and new um, insurance pools, but there's no doubt about it. I don't think anyone would say the ACA is working right now at all. And it's a scary proposition. The same government that can give you healthcare can take it away and decide who gets it and who doesn't. And I think people need to be really, really cognizant of that. So one of the one of the other issues that uh, is very important to you is mental health. Yes, and uh, it's had a higher profile recently. Yes, as we discuss everything from why we have such a high prison population to to the homeless situation to the to why we have mass shootings in schools. Right. And uh, how would you want the state to address the, the mental health issues? Well, that's a, a great question and I could probably take up the rest of our time together on that topic. Um, I happen to currently right now um, work for a ministry that is headed up by a psychiatrist. So this is where I move and breathe and I understand this topic pretty well. Um, I think number one, you know, we have to really start getting involved more with something that the governor's walker walker's wife is is really working on right now and that is trauma-informed care and and really kind of breaking that that chain of trauma and neglect of kids in our inner cities and and somebody might say but you're in the 38th you know i mean you're you're out there in the suburbs listen it's all moving west when i first moved to this area about 30 years ago when I fell in love with my husband. Um, you know, people were leaving their cars running with, with the keys still in them and running into the grocery store for a quick cup of coffee or whatever. The, the crime is, is moving far outside of cities. So we have to make sure overall as a state plan, we're taking care of these kids um, stability from young on and making good choices, supporting families, um, and and really giving dads more incentives to stick around and and be responsible. Um, overall, th there are also different methodologies as far as mental health care. Tele telehealth is something you're hearing a lot about right now, where people can um, get certain levels of mental health care um, just right where they are located in their homes to someone at a remote location. And that can give interim support, especially in our more rural communities, because um, there's, there's not always the resources there. And we know our health insurance typically does not 
cover long, long um, weeks, months, years of, of psychotherapy. And people need that, you know? It's retraining your brain and, and starting to frame our minds into a healthier direction. And, you know, it, it doesn't take a big look around you to see that we need it desperately. So one of the one of the other big issues, especially now out in the suburbs, is is the opioid epidemic. Yes. Yes. And uh, certainly the governor and and uh, the attorney general Brad Schimmel and others have have certainly gone out of their way to tackle that issue. Mm-hmm. And uh, wondering how you see it as is your role as a possible legislator in tackling that problem in this state. I. I th- just think this is an enormous issue. Um, we are acquaintances with um, a family out here who's had a, a pretty high national profile on this issue. They lost their son, Archie. And um, so it's it's something that we are so keenly aware of around here. I want to applaud our state attorney general and our governors for being aggressive about this because you know what? Everybody knows somebody. And I try to impress upon my kids, especially, don't even get near it. Don't even get near pot because, I mean, the littlest things lead down these dangerous paths with the opioids. But now, um, on the national level and the state level, they're trying to attack the synthetic opioids as well because there are imitations of the real thing that can be just as dangerous to people. We have to stay on top of that. And honestly, I'm a big believer that we let criminals off too easily. Lawmakers like to make laws, okay, because it makes them look good. How about enforcing the laws that we have on the book and quit letting these people plea down their cases only to go out on the street and have more lives lost? I just can't agree with that. So that's kind of where I see my role is is supporting law enforcement and supporting what our governor and um, attorney general are doing. So pro-life is obviously important to you. You were endorsed Absolutely. by both Wisconsin Right to Life and Pro-Life Wisconsin. Uh, they both just came out with their list with the, with your name on their endorsement list. Um, why, why is that issue so important to you? You're going to get me a little choked up with this one, okay? Because I'm just going to be real and raw with you. I I used to be a young, you know, pro-choice gal going, you know, okay, well, you know, um, they're going to do it either way. Better to, better to save the woman than lose both of them, um, which was a little convoluted thinking. And then I started having families and the logic of, okay, why when I found out I was pregnant you know was it suddenly a baby but to somebody else it was just tissue and um so that's kind of how I came along in my thinking also you know I have friends who've had abortions and what we never seem to talk about in the population is how this affects a woman there's not a girlfriend I have who's had an abortion who who feels great about it now they don't. It takes a physical toll on the woman that's 
it's not women's health. It is not healthy for a woman to have an abortion. Um, you're doing things to your body that are unnatural for it. I'll tell you, I've also had miscarriages too. And your body, after you lose that baby prematurely, that's not good for your body either. Um, and, and the last part of it, why I'm so passionate is I have a son, as I've said, with a serious, expensive, chronic illness. There are actually, um, there's a guy named uh, Peter Singer at, um, out of Princeton. He's, he's uh, a, a person who believes in euthanasia and, and is very pro-choice. And um, he makes the case and specifically calls out my son's illness as a reason to abort or to even commit infanticide when a child is born with this chronic illness. And I would just tell you that the world is really missing something if we don't include our kids of all abilities. It's not even what a person is capable of producing, it's how they change you, it's how they change me. And um, you would look at my son, you'd never tell there's anything wrong with him, he's got, um, a, a lot of concerns about paying for his own health care. <laughs> that is why that all melds together. However, um, he has a great, full, productive life. He's headed to college. Um, and to think that people would promote um, anything but life is abhorrent to me. Um, and I think, you know, we as a culture need to do more <laughs> to foster that. Um, I, in my, in my work the past 15 years, I've worked with many, many adoptive families who have built their families that way. And, and it's important to come alongside those people too. So it all comes together to promote that culture of life and hope. And that's what people ultimately want. So we're going to pause right here. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, your background and, and, uh, how you got to the point where where you suddenly found yourself running for Congress. So we'll be right back in a moment. Or it's for assembly, I should say. We'll be back in a moment. Want to learn how to be a sponsor of this podcast? Email us at business at rightwisconsin.com and we'll help you reach the right audience in Wisconsin. Let's talk a little bit of though. What are you doing now in the community? What what is what is your role in the community right now? Well, my role in the community is pretty much a continuation of what I've done the past fifteen plus years. Um, around my son's second year of of life, um, we started a local nonprofit in the Oconomowoc area to support parents of kids with special needs. I did that for about 15 years, and in January, we merged with another um, slightly bigger organization out of the Cleveland, Ohio area called Key Ministry. And so what I do now is train parent mentors um, to support other parents of kids with special needs, mental health diagnoses, you, you name it. And it, really, it's an exciting place to be because you know we can walk around with a chip on our shoulder when our kid has a diagnosis and feel like the world owes us something and and always be disappointed in 
in this role I serve, I get to be an encourager to parents and then train them how to go and do the same thing for others. So we're kind of lifting each other up along the way. And it has a national reach. And it's just, I love it. You know, um, I, it's funny because I was out knocking on doors yesterday and right away, you know, I, I um, noticed a guy who the mother introduced him as a, her micro preemie and I told her, no, he's your miracle, you know, because by all odds, the world says everything should be against you. But here's how you turn that narrative on its head. And, and you could tell that family really lived in that sweet spot. So. So uh, how did you get recruited to run for, for State Assembly? I mean, like you said, Joel Clayfishman made the announcement. It was kind of a surprise to quite a number of people. Yes. And then all of a sudden, you got a call? It, it, pretty much. I had, there were people, it, you know, there were conversations out here about, well, who's going to run? Who's going to run? Who's going to run? And um, I had people telling me, that they thought I should run, which I kind of chuckled at at first. And um, me being me, you know, I went to my family to talk about it. And we have a tight little bunch here, the five of us, my husband and I and our three kids. And I don't do anything without consulting them first, certainly not of that magnitude. And my family was so supportive. So we thought about it and I prayed about it and I'm like, okay, let's do this. And it it was kind of comical because I started out with a number of opponents and I I think the red hair scared them all away. (laughs) Um, But now um, one guy who is going to throw his hat in the ring as well is actually teamed up to work on my campaign team. And it's just, it's great having that mutual support and just vision and and love for this area and um, hard work to to just keep this a great place to work and live. What we all want for our kids. So what was interesting to me, and I I double-checked it again this morning, is that you still, (coughs) excuse me, What's interesting to me is that you don't have a primary opponent, even though this is, in theory, a Republican district. Yes. There is a Democrat running, but no other Republicans running. You managed to just beat them off of the club or... (laughs) I'm telling you, it's the red hair. (laughs) That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Okay. Um, But it is highly unusual. Highly unusual. But that, to me, means we can focus our energy where it needs to be, which is keeping things moving in a positive forward direction, which is what I think people really want for our state. But it hasn't stopped you from being out there campaigning. I mean, it's, no. I, I know that through mutual friends, and this is one of those, those odd situations where I know people that know you and, and how we haven't met before is probably a miracle. Um, but the... I mean, we know that you're out there pounding on doors and you're meeting voters and you're getting out there and yes. campaigning. You're not taking anything for granted in this election. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Because, listen, a, a vacancy um, of a seat, the Democrats see as an opening for them. And so why wouldn't I work hard at it? And aside from all that, listen, people deserve to, to know who they're voting for. 
Um, I am not Joel. <laughs> I respect Joel. I appreciate Joel. I, I can't say enough about him. And, and you know, he's got, those are big shoes to fill. He's done a lot for kids and for families and um, for just being good stewards of the natural resources in this state. I, I really appreciate that. And I want to keep that momentum going. But I also have a, a very different experience and background from him. And, and people should know that and should know who they're voting for. Um, and not just because I have an R next to my name or, um, and, and laughably, I will tell you, there are some people who see, see that I'm a woman and assume that I'm not, uh, a Republican and I have to kind of set them straight on that. So, so it's, it's one of the interesting themes that we return to over and over again at, with this bright Wisconsin conversation series is that, uh, you don't have to run. This is not right. a natural progression for you. This is right. not like your typical legislative staffer who suddenly goes back to a district and runs because that's the next step on their career ladder. I mean, clearly, this is not something that when you probably left college or whatever and said, oh, yeah, I'm going to go into politics. I'm going to be a member of the state legislature. And yet, here you are, and you're going right into the lion's den that... The wonderful place of Madison. Uh, why? <laughs> I, I get asked that a lot, and it's funny. You're right. I mean, my background was 13 years as an investment broker, then you know, taking a break to raise kids, then starting a nonprofit for special needs. None of that, you know, seems to to uh, be be a a quick path <laughs> to the state house, but. Um, you know, I love my community, and um, I love people, and I just have been so pleased with the direction things have finally gone in this state for so long. If there's anything that really gets my Irish up, it's wasted money. And we wasted a lot of money in this state doing a lot of foolish, foolish things. And, and it's so refreshing to finally have a governor in the governor's office who understands that you do better with your money in your pocket than a big government does. And, and I don't want to go back to those days where we're foolish with our dollars in this state. I want to see wise spending. I want to see continued job growth. My goodness. You know, we want we want good things for our posterity. And I'm to the point now where my kids are old enough when they move out and get jobs, I kind of want them to hang around. <laughs> so keeping Wisconsin moving forward it is a passion of mine. So yeah, I guess I'm stepping into it um, just because I see it as more of a calling. And, and I'm glad to do it because I've served people for a long time and, and I'm used to getting beat up, I guess. <laughs> Okay, so uh, last question that we're going to ask you. You're a long-time Oconomowoc resident. Yes. Okay. Best thing about living in, in Oconomowoc? Oh, I, I only have to pick one thing? Well, start with one and work your way. Oh, there are so many great things about living in Oconomowoc, although I will tell you the Oconomowoc of when I moved out here 28-plus years ago, 
um, to now, it's are, is different, okay? But uh, of course, the lakes are just awesome around here. Where where you're sitting right now, James, I can walk out my my front door and go for a walk with a friend around Fowler Lake. Um, our crime rate is still relatively low out here, and the people, you know, come on, the people out here are just awesome and people take time to know one another and build community together this um week at our fowler park we have moonlit movies going on i mean you, you don't get things like that in in every community so it, it's wonderful out here and areas west in the the 38th assembly district you know that's a nice thing about this area is that i can enjoy some of the goings on in oconomowoc and then just be out in more rural nature, just you know, a few steps outside um, the the downtown area. So it's just it's a wonderful place to live and raise a family, um, and and we just love it here, you know. So. All right. Well, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate you meeting with me, and good luck in the campaign. Thanks. have been listening to Right Wisconsin Conversations, interviews with the interesting people that make up the conservative movement in Wisconsin. Please follow us on rightwisconsin.com for the latest in conservative news in Wisconsin. Thanks very much and have a great day.